Hot Talk 93.9 The Eagle, broadcasting live from the Zimmer Radio Group World Headquarters. This is the CEO Roundtable with Fred Perry. Get ready for interviews with movers and shakers from our community as we dive in for a deeper look inside Columbia. Now, here's your host, Fred Perry. And good morning and welcome to this week's edition of the CEO Roundtable. Glad to have you with us this morning. It's a beautiful Saturday morning and very happy to welcome the CEO of the Columbia Board of Realtors, uh, the Chief Executive Officer of uh uh, the Columbia Board of Realtors, Brian Tui. Good morning, Brian. Good morning, Fred. Glad, glad to have you with us. Uh, this is certainly a busy time for you, so we appreciate you taking taking time out this morning to uh, to join us and uh, have a conversation about all kinds of things, including uh, Columbia's real estate market. Tell us a little bit about yourself. What's your background? Well, I grew up in St. Louis and Atlanta, and then I went up going to Westminster College in mm-hmm. Fulton, and I moved to Columbia in 96 during my senior year and uh, worked at First National Bank back in the day, yeah. back in the old days. Mm-hmm. Um, then I got my MBA from William Woods, started working in property management. Um, I started working for the Board of Realtors in 2011. And before that, I was actually a member of the board, and I helped okay. my wife with her real estate business and raising our three kids who are really really little back in the back in the day. Yeah. Is your wife still in real estate? Yep, she okay. is. She's a builder and a realtor. Okay, very good. So uh, there is a difference between a licensee and a realtor. I found that out just a few minutes ago. Uh, so tell us how many realtors there are in Columbia. There are over 600 realtors in Columbia, okay. and there's a 1,000 people in Columbia who hold the real estate license. Okay. And the main difference is realtors belong to our organization, and they also subscribe to the Realtor Code of Ethics. Yeah. Okay, so there's a Code of Ethics, and, and uh, it's uh, usually when you see that uh, realtor name, it's in all caps, uh, so it's it's really, it's it's a trademark, and Correct. so not everybody can call themselves a realtor. Exactly. Okay, so important to know. Um what are your primary responsibilities? What, what, on a day-to-day basis, what, what are you taking care of? Well, my staff and I, we handle the multi-list system, so we make sure we manage that. We make sure everyone's following the rules when it comes to entering their data, mm-hmm. um, closing out listings, uh, making sure that, that the market is flowing well through the system. We also work um, with our various committees on different aspects of real estate locally. Um, and then I work for the board of directors and our leadership team, um, helping to protect property owners' rights and just ensuring that our market's working the way it should be locally. Uh, on average, how many transactions uh, do we typically see a year in, in a market like Columbia? Um, typically, in the residential side, a little over 2,000. Okay, so there's there's a lot of stuff going on. Mm-hmm. That's um, Let's see if I can do my math right. That's six or seven transactions a day. Yep. Yeah, if uh, if they're doing business every day. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's a lot of stuff going on. I, I don't want to dwell too much on COVID because I know that all of us are tired of talking about COVID-19, but talk a little bit about how COVID-19 changed your business. What impact did it have? Um, it definitely had an impact. Uh, you definitely had some people who had um, were worried about what COVID would be like if they tried to put their house on the market. Mm-hmm. And so it's definitely had um, an effect on the inventory of listings. Um, but we've been pretty resilient with a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Um, realtors have come up with other ways to be able to function and, and have the market function for them. A lot of realtors are doing stuff virtually. Mm-hmm. Um, they're doing a lot more virtual tours. They're doing video tours. They're doing virtual open houses and um, 
virtual showings using systems such as Microsoft Teams and then also Facebook Live. Um, and it seems to be to be working. We've also uh, provided some guidelines that we want our members to be following mm-hmm. um, when it comes to showing. So when a seller leaves their house and when it's occupied for a showing, we want them to have all the lights on, all the doors open, um, cabinets open, just so that the little, as few services that can be touched um, will happen. And then the agent who's showing that house will leave it in that condition yeah. when they leave the house, wow. um, just so when the seller comes back, um, they don't have as, you know, they still need to sanitize the house, um, but we're trying to make sure that there's as little touch as possible. Were there still, even with all those precautions, were there still some reluctant um, uh, sellers out there? Yeah, you definitely still have some. Mm-hmm. Um, some people who didn't want to allow showings for a period of time. Yeah. Um, but as we've hit the phases of reopening, um, people have become more comfortable. And we're really starting to see um, the market bounce back, especially in the month of June. You know, it's really it's sort of given way. Uh, some realtors are making lemons out of, uh, lemonade out of lemons. It's kind of a interesting. Uh, I heard one realtor tell me that, that uh, this has really been a bonus for people who are relocating to Columbia, the ability for her to show houses to people uh, that uh, now don't have to drive into the market. But this has sort of forced people to think of different ways to show houses. Uh, have you seen any other innovation like that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, people definitely with with the options that are available virtually with mm-hmm. videos um, and virtual tours, you're definitely able to see much more of a property um, outside of the property as opposed to actually physically being in the property. Can you tell us more about Microsoft Teams? What, what, uh, what physically happens with Microsoft Teams? An agent will take their phone or their iPad uh-huh. and they'll go ahead and connect with that buyer. Mm-hmm. and basically go through the property um, with that camera on that device and show them um, the property. They're able to answer any questions. If the seller would like the agent to zoom in on something or um, see something specific that they really want to see in the property in more detail, the agent's able to provide yeah. that to them. Is it possible to have more than one set of buyers on the, on the call when you're doing that? Yeah, you could. Yeah, interesting. That would uh, Boy, that could save a lot of time. And that's the way open houses are working. You yeah. know, they'll have a URL that they can post and anyone who wants to view that open house they can go to that url and they can um connect with that agent while they're in the house yeah that open house cool uh, and they say hey can you show me that master bedroom the closet in the master bedroom one more time or right. say, okay exactly. wow, that's pretty interesting that's good um well that would really change to the, the business i guess um uh one of the other things that you do uh in your uh life is that you are a planning and zoning commissioner and um which um not everybody has the intestinal fortitude for that kind of uh, thing. So uh, talk about that. You're a Columbia Planning and Zoning Commissioner. And uh, you guys meet how often? Once a month? Uh, we typically meet twice a month. Twice a month. some time off during the shutdown. Uh, but we typically meet twice a month, depending yeah. on how the Thursday falls in the calendar. What has that experience been like for you? Uh, it's been interesting. I got involved just before the city introduced the new development code, and mm-hmm. we put a lot of hours into um, meetings with various work sessions and then also regular meetings where we heard public comments on on the, the development plan. Mm-hmm. Um, since then, it's it's been interesting to implement the new plan, and you've got to really have to have a balance between um, a property owner's rights to be able to do what they want with their property, and then also weighing how 
what bearing that's going to have on the adjacent properties and then also the overall city yeah you know one of the things that uh i i think is um sometimes the best intentions uh don't always carry through on a um in a plan like that the 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 new code you're talking about is that the unified development code correct okay Tell us about some of the surprises. Uh, now that you're, you look back on this thing, now that it's been implemented, what is something that you wish would have been tweaked before it became real? I wish we had more of a focus on um, having affordable housing as one of the primary goals. Mm-hmm. Um, that seems to be a secondary goal. Um, when we first started this process, or the process was first started at, at updating the code, we were still coming back out of the recession, and mm-hmm. especially the housing recession. And so housing affordability wasn't as big of an issue as it is now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's, I wish that would have been something we would have focused on a little bit more. Um, we continue to talk about it and trying to find ways to do that. Um, but there definitely are some some issues in the code let let me Uh, go down that path with you real quick about affordable housing because i think you know we've given so much lip service to that over the years uh in columbia and boone county right uh, but we just don't ever seem to be able to pull the trigger and what we've done really is exacerbated the problem we've made it even worse but um what are some things that this city could do to truly in a free market way uh encourage affordable housing one way to, would be to try to find ways to increase density um, in the downtown area and then the surrounding areas of downtown, which is not a popular view no. with some of those surrounding neighborhoods. Yeah. I mean, we got five or six story buildings and, and you would have thought it was the end of the world, you know what I mean, and, and right. in Columbia. But, but, you know, out of one side of our mouths, we talk about the importance of density, but when it's in our backyard, we don't like it at all. Yeah, that's that's definitely an issue. When yeah. there's lots of projects that come before P&Z where there is going to be a density increase, you definitely hear from the neighbors that they don't want that type of density because they're worried about traffic um, that they might have to deal with with that additional density. Yeah. Um, but our, in my opinion, and looking at the real estate market as closely as I do, I feel like our affordable housing problem is really a supply and demand issue um, where mm. we just do not have enough inventory and we have not had enough inventory for several years. And so when you have low inventory, you have buyers who are having to make more and more competitive bids because they're dealing with multiple offers on a lot of properties that, that just drives up the price. Yeah. And so it just makes it more expensive for everyone. Let's try and define affordable housing. What does that look like? And uh, what's what's the top of that price range? Uh, typically, affordable housing is where someone doesn't have to spend more than 30% of their income on their housing needs. Okay. So for somebody who is a school teacher or a cop or a state trooper. Right. Uh that might be a home worth 130, $140,000. Yeah, probably around there. Yeah. Um so what what's in the way? I mean, what um you know, it's interesting and I, I apologize I'm kind of throwing this on you uh, last minute here, but uh been really interested in what's happening on Hunt Avenue um off of a Worley Street. Uh I think Dr. Fred Christman has built a bunch of little cottages uh on uh there's another street right next to fire station number two off of uh West Worley. Um but I'm starting to see these little cottage style houses that are maybe twelve hundred, thirteen hundred square feet total slabs. Um is that I mean is that kind of 
is that solving any part of the problem at all? It's definitely helping adding to the inventory levels, but we need quite a bit more inventory. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, typically uh, a functioning real estate market has about six months worth of inventory on the market. In any price range. Right. And yeah. we're well below those. We're down to, with the overall market for single family homes, we are about one point two five months right now and when you're in those more affordable ranges you know in the the 150 to 250 which is kind of the sweet spot of that first time home buyer market we have less than a month we're about 0.75 and so when you have that happen and you have buyers on the market they're having to get creative with their offers and that just drives up the price because yeah. you know when you own that home you're not going to give it away yeah that's right i mean you um you you want another young couple to have the house and start their family there but uh when you have somebody come in and and uh they're offering above the asking price I guess it's fairly, we'll talk more about that in the next segment because we, we want to talk about the inventory and, and sort of what's happening uh, in 2020. Uh, but, you know, there, there are a lot of environments where we're, we're having multiple offers. And, uh, and of course, when you have multiple offers, uh, often the, uh, price goes above the asking price and so you're seeing that happen right now right yeah Yeah. for sure and you're also having issue or not issues but you're having situations where buyers are submitting an escalation clause well they'll say you know um whatever the highest next offer is we'll pay a thousand dollars above that wow just to try to get the house yeah so and and columbia is not unique to these issues yeah this is going on nationwide and a lot of this comes from um as you know construction has not kept up with family formations ever since the recession Mm -hmm. and so there just needs to be a lot more construction going on which is not a popular view in columbia because it's going to make columbia grow Mm -hmm. and that concerns some people but that's what you're going to have to have in order to have more affordable housing in our area yeah it's really uh it's I, I, let me put a bow on the house, the affordable housing uh, conversation real quick. And just before we move on, uh, if you could wave a magic wand uh, to create more affordable housing in this community, I mean, part of it is, um, you know, there's got to be some margin in there for, for, for the builder to do this. You know, there right. has to be a reasonable margin. Um, what what If you were to wave your magic wand, what would you do to create more affordable housing in our community? I'd probably relax some of the restrictions in the Unified Development Code mm-hmm. that have added cost to development, um, just somewhat of unintended consequences through the process, which has just added cost to get your project through. Um, and then also our um, permit fees are, are pretty high. Our permit fees since uh, from 2000. 13 to 2018 went up 68%. Yeah. And so, you know, every time you add, um, you know, regulation costs, that's going to add more costs. Builders are dealing with uh, material costs that keep going up constantly. Um, and so um, it just makes it more and more expensive. And also, anytime there's an adjustment to the code that requires uh, more efficiency, which is great, but at the same time, you have to have a balance between, you know, how how much efficiency do you want to have in a house and also the affordability question. We're going to get into a, a deeper conversation about reg- regulatory, you know, uh, concerns and, and just uh, the, the politics of, of that in Columbia during our third segment. But coming up next, we're going to visit with Brian Tui about uh, the current real estate market and uh, the, the price uh, segments that are really hot right now and what impact we're having with low interest rates. Uh, and we'll just uh, give you a quick up idea whether or not this is a buyer's market or a seller's market. Brian Tui is the Chief Executive Officer for the Columbia Board of Realtors. We'll continue our conversation with him coming up next. This is the CEO Roundtable on Hot Talk 93.9 The Eagle.
services. Inside Columbia with Fred Perry on Hot Talk 93.9, The Eagle. And welcome back to the CEO Roundtable. Fred Perry, your host today. I am uh, visiting with Brian Tui, who is the executive, the chief executive officer for the Columbia Board of Realtors. And we've been talking a little bit about uh, Columbia's uh, housing market and certainly a little bit about the affordable housing concern that we have here in this market. But we're going to come back to that in the third segment uh, as we talk about uh, sort of the regulatory environment here in Columbia. Let's talk about year to date, how we're actually looking. You, you sort of uh, teased it a little bit in the, in the last segment uh, about the trend but um, do you look at building permits uh, that are that are pulled I do look at building permits. Okay, and so what, what's that trend been like? Building permits are um, actually above last year. I think off the top of my head, um, we're about 23% over last year, um, which is which is good. But a lot of that is coming from, again, there's a lack of inventory. Mm-hmm. And so people are considering new construction um, more so than they have in years past, even though with new construction, you are going to pay a little bit of a premium. Yeah. Um, I'm going to ask you about... Uh, uh, some of the the housing developments that uh, I'm aware of, and I'm, I'm probably missing several, but it's good for our listeners to to know that that some of this stuff is is coming down the pike, and they, they may not know about it. But one of the ones that has a lot of activity in it right now is the Brooks, which is out on W W, right. uh, kind of uh, across from the Elks Lodge. Driving through there, that's amazing. And and any idea what the price range is on those houses? Uh, off the top of my head, I believe they're going to be in the three four hundred thousand range. Yeah. Okay. So it's uh it's interesting. I see a lot of names of builders that. I'm not familiar with uh, that have come into the market and uh, seem to be doing very well. But uh, anything about that development surprise you? Um, not really. I mean, I, I think it's 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 a great development. It looks great. It's it's a good location. It's not too far away from downtown. Mm-hmm. Um, there's definitely a need for more inventory. So you know, any houses that we can we can get up, that's actually going to help our inventory problem. Even yeah. in those even in those um, price ranges, we still have a lack of a lack of inventory. Mm-hmm. Do you see more? I'm thinking about the development that I know the Blake Rave is the developer and it's a, it's across from Brookfield Estates out on Route N out in the county. Uh, pretty good sized development going in there. Um, do you see more developments moving out to the county versus the city? What, what's the trend been? Yeah, you'll probably see more of that. Um, as there's been, um, up, updates in sewer technology um i think you're going to see more development out in the county um even if when you look at permits pulled between the city versus the county ever since the new unified development code um went into effect um prior to that you used to see a lot more permits pulled in the city versus the county mm-hmm. now they're about even yeah um, you're seeing just as many count just as many permits pulled in the county compared to just as many um in the city yeah you know i I, people look at me when i'm crazy when i tell them that there is a shortage of sewer capacity in this community and they like well that's how can that be possible you know and and i think that uh you know we look at um on the outskirts of the city i'm thinking of route k uh in down by newtown uh the the boone county regional sewer district has a facility down a plant down there treatment plant uh but it's pretty much maxed out and so that uh and that is what serves a big chunk of that southern part of columbia along route k um and so that in itself really limits development until some of this newer technology some of these uh, drip irrigation systems uh, come along uh there's a, a new one that i think is going to be used out on route n uh, called uh, it's a, a reactor is, is the name that they use uh, for the the sewage treatment but but uh that that is an issue is, is there what 
as you look sort of down the road, uh, kind of forecasting, is, is that going to continue to be a significant issue? Probably. Um, you know, sewer in the development world, like gold. Um, you're going to go where the sewer is going to go, and that's the way your city's going to develop. And mm-hmm. so having these newer technologies does offer some some flexibility, but that's going to be out in the county. It's not going to be mm-hmm. in the city, more than likely. Unless you're on the outskirts, and I think about Perchy Ridge, which was developed by Fred Overton. Um, you know, here is a development, 35 homes on 17 acres, uh, that uh, is probably a stone's throw away from a severely underutilized sewer main uh, that the city owns. But in order to tap into that sewer, the city leverages that you have to annex in to the to the or you have to sign an annexation agreement. So are we going to see a lot more of that? I think some. it's all going to depend on costs. Yeah. You know, if the city continues to increase costs with development and increase building permit fees, then I think you're, you're going to see more development out in the county, um, mm-hmm. just like we've already seen. Yeah. Just out of curiosity, do you can you what is the average cost for permits to, to build a new home in Columbia? Um, well, I can tell you in the city to build a 1,500 square foot, three bedroom, two bath um, home with a, you know around a 450 square foot garage, you're looking around $6,600. In addition wow. to probably also having to, depending on how you're going to build the plan, you're probably going to have to have an e-consultant review the plan. Um, for environmental concerns? Um, it, it's, it's in order to be able to build and not have to follow the code exactly the way it's written you're going to do some other things to get those efficiency factors okay but you're going to spend another six hundred dollars um on that review from an e-consultant so over seven thousand dollars you're going to be about seven thousand dollars wow uh any idea what it costs out in the county i'm not sure yeah i mean i guess maybe i should know that but it's uh (laughs) but would what percentage do you think it is of the county do you think it's uh Uh, i'm guessing it's probably uh i bet the county is um probably 25 percent of that and if if, okay probably even less than that so one-fourth yep. of the cost and I, again i'm just guessing, yeah that's fine we're we it's get, definitely it's definitely going to yeah. be less expensive yeah interesting well something worth looking at you know it's uh um what about interest rates what's the what's been the impact of interest rates uh you know i think interest rates have um hurt our inventory levels to a degree um, I think you started seeing this back last October as rates started to drop in 2009, early in 2019. I think you started to see homeowners who couldn't find what they were looking for in the market because the inventory levels were pretty low then. And so people decided to go ahead and refinance, maybe pull some cash out, fix those things in their house that they um, wanted to update and just decided to stay. And yeah. I think that's really um, playing a part in some of our inventory levels. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I know the banks are getting their money a lot cheaper, but they really haven't passed that on to uh, uh, to the to the lender uh, to the uh, uh, to the borrower. You know what I mean? I've, I've, that's my personal opinion. They're pretty low. I yeah, mean, they are still, low. They're some still at them. historic lows, yeah. and I'm even hearing people in Boone County who are able to refinance a mortgage right now. You know, in the the two eights. Yeah. So I mean, it's just unbelievable. It's almost not quite free money, but we're almost there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, that's that's something that I think is uh, uh, that's interesting that that would have an adverse impact on the real estate market. You would think just the opposite, but I, I get where you're coming from. But it could also be causing our inventory levels also where you've got people who want to go ahead and upgrade, 
their property while while rates are low too. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really both that are are driving that inventory level. So the sweet spot right now, you said earlier, is the homes in that two hundred thousand to three hundred thousand price range. Is really, that right? Really three hundred thousand and below. Okay, going to be that sweet spot, and then it's going to be um, uh, really even more of a seller's market in that one fifty to to two fifty price range. Yeah. So what what happens? Uh, what uh, what does that do to the market when there's no inventory uh, under three hundred thousand? Does that really creates the seller's market? But what's what's the impact of it being a seller's market for someone that has a house? It's probably worth two fifty, but I'm going to put it on the market for two seventy five because I know well, there's nothing there. You've got to be careful too because you don't want to overprice your house because a lot of times if your price seems ridiculous, you're just not going to have anyone who's even going to want to come look mm-hmm. at it. And then there's the appraisal. There's the appraisal issue too, and so you've got to factor that also. Um, so you definitely want to maximize what your price is if you're the seller, but at the same time you do need to factor. You still want to make it. Um, to where buyers want to come look at it, and you're also going to have to worry about what that appraisal um, is going to come in at. Also, when it comes time to close, mm-hmm. have you seen any problems? Because you know, I know that uh, people have been selling their houses, uh, taking advantage of of the the shortage of inventory. Have you seen that come back to bite them with the appraisals? How are banks reacting to the market uh, uh, situation? There are a few appraisal issues out there, and a lot of it is because the market is moving so fast, it's hard to get the data mm-hmm. that's sold data to appraisers. So appraisers are having to work a little bit harder to try to find out um, prices on certain sales that really haven't hit the system yet. Um, but they're, they are doing that. Um, but it is, it is difficult since it takes you know potentially anywhere from 30 to 45 days for that transaction to go through where that house has gone pending or under contract in the system but that appraiser doesn't know what that sold price is yet because the uh, the transaction hasn't gone through yeah. and we've tried to do some things to actually speed up um, that process in our MLS system. And so we've shortened the amount of time to where a broker or an agent can enter that sales data into the system to try to get that that data to the appraisers um, a little bit quicker. So if you have a house that's priced under 300000 and and it's reasonably priced, you're not uh, trying to take advantage of the market, how many days should someone expect to have their home on the market? Really, that house, if, if it's, a, it's a decent house and um, you're going to sell that thing under 30 days okay. um, easily, and more than likely, you're probably going to have that thing under contract in less than five, and you'll yeah. probably receive multiple offers. And this is going to sound strange, but I hear agents tell me, this is probably, as a seller, this is pr- and you're in that price range under 300000 this is probably the best time ever to put your house on the market, which just sounds crazy under the current environment. Mm-hmm. But it's a, a great opportunity to upgrade. You know, or to move into something else that I mean, if you if, can find something, but just know oh. when you do that, you're probably going to pay a premium there also. Yeah, interesting. So, a uh, house that's in the three hundred thousands, what? How many days should they expect to be on the market? Uh, you're probably going to be closer to forty. Um, you're definitely going to see. You know, as, as the price goes up, your pool of buyers is going to narrow too, mm-hmm. just because of qualifications. Um, so, those are going to sit a little bit longer, um, but they're still moving pretty well. Yeah, uh, I've noticed a few houses in the uh, over a million dollars. Uh, on the market uh, in Columbia right now. Uh, is that something you should, uh, I, know, I know it's impossible, it just depends, but is that something that you should be prepared to set on for a while? No, I mean, you're you're starting to see those. You are, you are starting to see 
in those price ranges above 700 those inventory levels are building up okay i don't know if some of that has to do with employment security right now um on whether or not those people you know there's a, there's buyers in those price ranges that really want to go ahead and upgrade their housing mm-hmm. at the moment um and they're just kind of waiting to sitting back but you definitely are seeing um some of those inventory levels build up but they're still under six months worth of inventory so that yeah. still signals that it's a, a seller's market it's just not as as um, not as active of a seller's market. You uh, every month you put out uh, some home sales uh, statistics, and and uh, one of the things that uh, you uh, commented on uh, earlier this week uh, was the median price for a home in Columbia, single family home. Tell us what that median price is these days. Um, that median price, I got to look it up real quick. Yeah, I've, uh, I've got it here in front of me. I just got to find. Yeah, it. the median price right now inside Boone County for a single family house is a. Uh, Two twenty six nine, which is up eight percent over June last year. Yeah, and so wow. as we've seen the inventory levels um, shrink even more so this year, we saw a nine percent increase in the month of April, a little bit of an increase in May. Um, I think it was three or four percent off the top of my head, um, but then another eight percent increase for the month of the month of June, and that's that's really higher than we want it. Yeah. Um, that really affects our affordability, affordability, like we talked about earlier. You know, we'd like to see something in the range of, you know, 2 to 4% on an annual basis mm-hmm. just to kind of keep up with, with inflation. Here's an impressive number. You said that homes under contract for the month of June increased substantially, up 39% from this time last year. Yeah. And a lot of so that... that's craziness. A lot of that is has to do with some pent-up demand mm-hmm. um, in the month of April when the stay-at-home orders, um, we were in the, the thick of the stay-at-home orders. But as, as things relaxed a little bit, we definitely saw... Um, large um, large increases in homes under contract for the month of May and June, which is going to signify that our, our closings coming up in the next few months are probably going to be above what they were last year also. Yeah. Uh, it, it's interesting. I think a lot of people were surprised. Um, but uh, once you think about it, it makes sense. But uh, that real estate realtors were considered an essential business when the when the COVID lockdown started. Uh, you had to go to bat for the home building industry here in Columbia to right. keep it going. That was the thing that uh, really uh, was uh, is a very strong industry. But uh, any regrets about that? Uh, have things continued the way you hoped they would? Yeah, no, I really appreciate um, the city manager, John Glasscock, and um, Stephanie Browning with the health department actually sitting down and talking to us about this and us explaining um, the building process to them and also coming up with some rules so we could get building permits flowing again um, in the city. Yeah. Um, there were a lot of builders who were caught off guard with the stay-at-home orders um, because when real estate was shown to be an essential service, they didn't realize that all of a sudden permits in the city were turned off for about two weeks. Yeah. And there were a lot of builders um, who, you know, they had stuff under contract, but they hadn't quite pulled the permit yet um, because it was it was things that were supposed to close three or four months down the road. Yeah. And so they were pretty worried about that. That's Brian Tui, the CEO of the Columbia Board of Realtors. We'll continue our conversation and jump right back into governmental affairs. After this on Hot Talk 93.9 The Eagle. He's breaking down what's going on inside Columbia. It's Fred Perry on Hot Talk 93.9 The Eagle. 
Welcome back to the CEO Roundtable Show. Fred Perry, your host this morning, visiting with Brian Tui, the Chief Executive Officer of the Columbia Board of Realtors. We've had a great conversation about the local real estate market, and I hope that you all have learned something about uh, your home and the significant investment you have in that home, and it's getting more and more valuable. Um, let's talk about just sort of the um, the overall environment for home builders and realtors. This is an important part of our economy. And, you know, and, and I think that we we talk a lot about quality of life. Um, we talk a lot about um, affordable housing and uh, what sort of stands in the way. What are the barriers to affordable housing? Uh, we talk about social equity. We, we just a whole lot of things that we talk about. But and a lot of it is if you figure out housing, uh, if you can get your your mind around housing and 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 create the perfect housing market, uh, you go a long way towards fixing problems with uh, social equity, uh, with the quality of life, and so forth. But I want to talk a little bit about just the um, the the cost of building a new home. Uh, we we talked earlier about permits are going to cost you maybe around seven thousand dollars to to build a small home, a fifteen hundred square foot home, three right. bedrooms, two baths, one garage. Uh, in Colombia, um, but what was that ten years ago? Do you, I mean, what? How has it changed, and what have been the factors that have made it so much more expensive to build a home in Columbia, Missouri? Uh, it was considerably cheaper ten years ago. Um, the exact number I, I can't tell you off the top of my head. Less than half. Uh, yeah. Um, way less than half. Way less than half. Um, in the last few years, we've seen some fees gone up. Um, so, for example, your sewer connection fee. Um, a few years ago, that was $800, mm-hmm. um, no matter the size house you had. And so, um, over a few-year period, the city council went ahead and um, raised that fee by a certain number every year until they got to $2,400. And so, just to tap into the city sewer, cost you $2,400. They also increased um, the sewer connection fee quite a bit also to where that's about $800 um, every time you, you tap the water. Um, and so, sorry, that's uh, $700. Mm-hmm. Um, but your water connection fee also increased. Um, that went from around $750 back in 2013 to up over $1,500 now. And so it's just those those fee increases um, that have just added on to the cost and those are always going to be passed on to the end user of that property when they buy it mm-hmm. yeah it's really um it's shocking to look at those numbers and and i know that it's uh part of of uh just running the city i know that the city has to find a way to cover its cost and and uh be sustainable but you know um you hear council people talk about impact fees and the the impact that uh uh, these new homes have on our community. But, you know, if you study real estate taxes in this town, I mean, one of the things that uh, I don't know if people realize this or not, but when they, they pay their real estate taxes at the end of the year, that 85% of those real estate taxes are going directly to our schools. And, you know, uh, uh, these people, these these new homes are are paying their way. I mean, it's, it's when you look at the fees, that's got to cover the cost of the infrastructure that's, that's going into it. Um, so why, why do you think there's such a misunderstanding about the impact of growth in this community? I think there are some people in, in Boone County in Columbia that, that would rather it not grow. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's a segment of the population who came to the university in the 
60s, 70s, and 80s, and they liked the way Columbia looked, and they stayed, and they'd, they'd rather Columbia not change. Yeah. Um, but it's just not a realistic... Um, it's not a realistic vision. It, it makes them mad when you say this, but a, a community either grows or it dies. That's exactly right. And, you know, um, Dan Atwell, who sits on the commission with you, has mm-hmm. done a lot of study on that, and that's exactly what, what he would say also. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to have a little bit of growth to keep going. Yeah. Um, and we're, we're really benefiting from having that growth. When you look at some of the um, smaller towns that surround Columbia, you know, we're complaining about our growth in some instances, and those towns would love to to have the type of growth we have. Yeah. They would love to have an economic um, driver like Ready, like mm-hmm. we have, um, where we have a public-private um, organization that's trying to um, recruit local, or recruit employers to Columbia to provide more jobs. And, um, you know, we're, we just look at that as a problem from some points of view, or other places would love to have that problem. Yeah. So when you look at the potential to for growth in Columbia, uh, because of a number of reasons, I think we're sort of running out of out of room in South Columbia. Uh, you're you're hit, you're bumping up against the river, right? Uh, I mean, there's there's going to be some more developments down there, but uh, sewer is going to be a problem, and right. and uh, people are going to put in some alternative sewer treatment facilities. Um, but then you, uh, there's been a lot of talk about um, you, you know, Columbia grew north. But that really hasn't been very successful. That we, for for some reason, the the number of services never really followed the growth. Uh, unfortunately, we ended up with uh, some some high crime areas uh, north of I seventy. Uh, you know, uh, so that, for lack of better words, almost feels like a failed experiment. Uh, but now we're looking at the west. You know, we're looking at the, the west area plan, which has been delayed because of COVID nineteen. In your opinion, where 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 can Columbia grow, or where Columbia should where should Columbia grow? Uh, you know, for Columbia to grow on the west side, you're going to have to have more sewer expansion there. And there there was a proposed um, proposed sewer um, going out to Midway that has been that the voters approved, right? That has uh, essentially been shelved. Uh, for a while, and who knows when it will come back. Um, but if there were to be that, you would definitely see more growth in the West. Um, I wouldn't say the North North side was a failed experiment. The North side was more of a victim of the recession, um, mm. where things really were growing very well. It was a more affordable area for people to live. Um, and so you, lot, you saw a lot of family formation up there. You just didn't have the commercial that followed, which is what typically happens in an area where you have the residential go in first mm-hmm. and the commercial um, typically follows. That commercial was coming and then the recession hit and you just saw a lot of that commercial development really pull back. Um, I think at some point you'll see that development. Well, heck, we're going to get a Schnucks north of I-70. We're going to get a Starbucks right. north exactly. of I-70. Exactly. So is that, uh, is that something that you think is uh, a sign of the times? Yeah, I think it's it's definitely beneficial. It's nice to see Schnucks expanding mm-hmm. um, in our market. And I've got a son who works at Schnucks. Okay. Um, <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, I think um, that'll definitely benefit the the northeastern side of town i think you're going to see that area grow more just because of the schools that are over there Mm -hmm. um and so i definitely see think you'll see more growth north of i-70 but you're right the southwest is is limited um on what's left and so i think you'll see those other three directions of the city um grow out because of that there is a 72 inch sewer main that runs along the perchy creek 
and I believe that we're using about 17% of its capacity right now. Uh, why wouldn't that be just a natural place for growth on the, the west side of Columbia? Um, it, it could. Um, you know, some of it's going to depend on those property owners when they want to go ahead and develop those properties or if they want to go ahead and sell those properties to developers. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just going to take a little bit of time and then yeah. also have um, – there's definitely the demand there. Um, it's just whether or not people want to go through the headaches of trying to get that that development through the city and, uh, and oh, a big get chunk it, of the city council ready. yeah a big chunk of the city council doesn't think columbia should expand west of the perchy creek right you definitely have um that urban service area um that the city would or members of the city would uh prefer that we not cross but at some point you're going to have to expand those boundaries just to be able to to still have growth within the city limits yeah what's happening uh in your profession on a statewide uh uh level and, and a federal level what are, what are some of the regulatory issues that you're paying close attention to uh one and this is a result of covid is um the governor just signed a bill that's going to allow um remote notary um and so that'll make transactions easier for people especially who are out of town or if you have a spouse who's been deployed mm. um overseas uh, it'll make those transactions much easier instead of actually having to mail those documents mm-hmm. have to have a notary present and then mail the documents back after they've been signed and when will that go into law um it's it's been signed i can't remember the exact date you're also going to have to have um you're also going to have to have the financial institutions and the title companies, title insurance companies, review that and figure out how that's going to work yeah. um, on their side. But at least it's it's definitely coming. Um, there have been a few transactions that have already gone on locally, um, but that's a huge benefit. Again, the affordability issue um, is a big issue across the country, um, and trying to. Um, relax some of the regulations that are prohibiting um, affordable housing. Um, so those are definitely issues. Um, and then also for us, it's it's fair housing issues. You know, mm-hmm. we want to make sure that everyone's included in home ownership and don't want to exclude anyone. Um, and there's definitely some issues there that still need to be addressed. Yeah. Uh, I may be way out of the times, but a few years back, uh, somebody was pushing the idea of uh, uh putting a sales tax on the sale of a home uh has that been killed successfully uh well there is a constitutional amendment that will not allow transfer taxes um or uh taxes on the sale of a home uh, in the state of missouri um so that definitely does help with the um with the the cost of a transaction was that is that new is that back in 2018 or 16 uh it was further back than that i can't remember the exact okay but that was so that's not going to come up again no okay good um what else do do people need to know about the real estate uh, industry here in Columbia, Missouri? Anything that uh, stands out in in your mind that we haven't covered this morning? Uh, not that I can really think of. We've we've hit a lot of topics. Yeah. Um, so if somebody is on the fence right now about selling a home, um, or downsizing or upsizing, uh, what would you tell them? What do they need to What do they need to be doing right now? I wouldn't wait. The way we're seeing, you know, if you're on the selling side, there's definitely buyers out there that are looking. Um, and if you want to buy, we're continuing to see prices go up. We have for a number of years because of the inventory levels. Um, and so if you're really on the fence, I I wouldn't be on the fence anymore. I'd, mm-hmm. I'd get off the fence. I'd, I'd list my house. Um, and if I want to buy, I'd try to find something that'll work for me. Um, if, or if you need to rent for a couple of years, is that, I mean, that's a, a, to take advantage of this current market, it might be worth it to rent for a couple of years. 
Uh, potentially, but at the same time, with rates being so low, oh, you're yeah. probably really better off buying. I mean, yeah. with historical low rates, you're able to um, purchase that much more property than you could before. It's it's interesting because I'm um, I'm 46 years old, mm-hmm. and I bought my my first house a little bit before most of my friends. And when I bought my house, um, I was thrilled that my interest rate was under 10%. Mm-hmm. And when you talk to people younger than me, and even my own friends who bought um, you know, a year or two later when interest rates were in the sevens or eights and I bring that up, they're like, oh my gosh, I would never buy a house at 10%. But yeah. historically, that's what long-term rates are, are around, you know, just under 10%. Yeah. And so to be able to, to purchase a house and have your interest rate potentially around three or under is just, it's it's incredible. You can just buy that much more yeah. house. And, and the value of the house keeps going up. You know, it's uh, it's been a it's a great place to have an investment. Uh, it's uh, with interest rates. I see people folding their HELOCs into their their principal loan, and and uh, it's I mean it's just a great environment for that kind of activity right now. So right. anyway, Brian Tui, we appreciate you taking time out this morning to visit with us about Columbus Real Estate Market. Very interesting. And if people want more information about the Board of Realtors, where where can they go? Is there- uh, they can go to our website um, cbrmls.com, and then we also have a pr- uh, public facing property search website called midmohomefinder.com. and they can learn about our industry. They can also view our real estate stats. We post those monthly, typically um, around the 10th of the month, and they can see what's going on with our real estate market. Excellent. Brian Tui, thank you very much. This has been the CEO Roundtable Show. We'll be back next Saturday. You're listening to Hot Talk, 93.9 The Eagle. This city is my city, and I love it.